If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Independence Day edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. Michael, happy 4th of July to you, sir. I got to ask because our buddy Carl Johnson down there in, uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi, he posted a picture that I just saw on Twitter before we began the show. And I believe it was a barbecue. And he said that he knows that you and Bill Berman can really get after it on a day like today. <laughs> what are the skill sets that, that Michael Lombardi brings in the 4th of July? Well, I don't bring any today, uh, David. <laughs> happy Independence Day. Happy 4th of July. I mean, I'm kind of sequestered here in my office. Uh, they are all enjoying it down at my house. Uh, I, we built an outdoor kitchen a couple years ago. Uh, somehow, I Berman feels like he built it, and he, he owns it. So uh, he's taken over, and uh, there's always a parade today, 4th of July bike parade. Kids go by, and it goes right in front of our house. So today is a day to celebrate the 4th of July, have an early breakfast, and then I'm sure everyone's going to hit the beach. It's pretty good time. It's a good spot. It sounds like a, a great day. It's one of my favorite holidays, obviously, uh, across the country. We're going to have a great show today. Thomas Gable is going to join us here just a little bit. Uh, from your neck of the woods over there, 
at the Borgata on the East Coast. Will Hill is going to join us, the king of New York, as I like to say here, in uh, hour number one as well. And then Josh Applebaum is going to join us from Boston and get the flavor of what's going on up there in Beantown on this 4th of July, uh, July holiday. And, you know, Michael, I was watching as we were coming in here, and I just saw that Nick Kyrgios over there in Wimbledon just won in the round of 16. So he's going to move on. And first of all, I'm, I'm old school, Michael. And, you know, back in the 80s, I used to wake up on the 4th of July and you had breakfast at Wimbledon. And then you would get like the, the men's final would always normally be on that, you know, on, on the 4th of July weekend. They've backed it up a full week now. And I used to always root for the Americans, uh, obviously, back in the day, like John McEnroe and, and James Scott Connors and those guys. And so it was just always fun. I met Nick Kyrgios a few years ago, Michael, with Roger Federer, Rod Laver. The Laver Cup was happening to be held in Chicago that year. And I remember talking to Fed. I mean, you're talking to Roger Federer, right? The, arguably the greatest mm-hmm. tennis player of all time. And I said, tell me a little bit about Nick Kyrgios. And he said, he is as talented as any player you will find on our circuit. And I thought, wow, like this is the mercurial one and he's kind of a head case and you don't know what you're getting. He talks to himself, yells at his box. He's got a little McEnroe in him. McEnroe seemed to really uh, t- take a liking to him. And I love talking to Johnny Mac that day as well. As he moves on, nobody trusted Kyrgios here. And we'll see how far he can go. But, Michael, I'm sure you've dealt with athletes like that. Supremely talented, right? But – in an individual sport, it's harder because those those weaknesses, they are glaring, right, when you see it. In a team sport, you can kind of pick up that guy a little bit, right? And I don't want to bang on Ben Simmons, but it has a Ben Simmons feel. Like, if the other guys can't pick him up, he's a detriment to the team. When you look at an right. individual talent like Nick Kyrgios, how do, you, how do you fix a guy like that? Is it possible? Well, I think it is. I mean, I think he just has to really be honest and objective and work on his weaknesses. I mean, that's the that's the part that upsets everybody about Ben Simmons. Oh, by the way, he deleted his Instagram account <laughs> because I'm sure that fishing picture didn't go over so well no. with a lot of people, including me, you know. <laughs> and so here you have a bad back and you're out fishing. I, I think it's, you know, what, where Simmons lost – you know, he enters the Philadelphia area, and, and he's got everything going for him. His coach has coached him in the Australian League. He comes over here. You know, it's a welcome. Of course, he sits out the first year, you know, but then he never works on his jump shot. He never tries to even improve it. You know, and he's so shallow. He's so fragile. Fragile's the better word, not shallow. Mm. He's so fragile as a competitor as evidenced by jumping off of Twitter, that, you know, he, he won't fight through the adversity. And I think oftentimes great players always are going to go through adversity. I mean, how many times did Mickelson go through not winning? Man. You know, and then finally he breaks through. How many times do you go through it? It's never a Hollywood movie. You're, it's never going to go as scripted. So you've got to fight through it. Now it's going to get real interesting as the Nets wait for the big deal, which, you know, it's coming, right? There's right. going to be an offer. Somebody's going to make a – but he's going to be on his own in New York, in Brooklyn. And he's going to – and how is that going to work? You know, how is that all going to work with him there? And so as they dissemble this team, and we're starting to see today was the day where not everybody's interested in Kyrie. It sounds like the Lakers may not be as interested. The Sixers have made it very clear they're not interested. Where's Kyrie going to go, and does he have any value? See, I think that it's fascinating that in 24-hour span, and again, you and I talked about it yesterday, that, that you know maybe these things are floated to try to you know up the currency, if you will, in the trade market for a guy like Kyrie, and certainly we'll, we know that there's going to be a market for Kevin Durant. But with Ben Simmons, and that's why the analogy here with Nick Kyrgios, with these kind of mercurial 
great, talented athlete. Nobody denies what Ben Simmons has, the abilities that he has, but we all know the glaring weakness. So I just wonder, when you take yourself off Instagram and, and social media, and I, I kid about this stuff, but it does. It has to show you a little bit into his head, right? That that, no that stuff's going to bother him. That you got to yeah, you got to get out of there. When you let when you let the noise bother you, then you're really in trouble. I mean, just, just think about Ben Simmons and Magic Johnson, if you will. Right? Both of them are enormous, tall, long, un- uniquely suited for the play point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, when Magic left East Lansing in, at Michigan State, he didn't have a jump shot. Now, it wasn't a three-point shooting team, but no. his offensive skill set was to drive to the rim, dish, penetrate, all the things that Simmons does really well, except Magic went and worked on his shot. Yes, Magic went and really dedicated himself to becoming a better player. The difference between Magic and Ben Simmons lies in competitiveness, lies in the ability to fight through adversity, lies in mental toughness. And and I think on a day where we celebrate our independence as a country, you know, for the people that have fought for that independence, they had mental toughness. They Mm -hmm. had the willingness to fight through adversity. I mean, look, it wasn't easy crossing that Delaware in the middle of winter, you know, with George Washington and going and fighting there and and trying to deal with all that. So, you know, it requires a unique person. And if you don't build that skill set up, if you don't work on it, mental toughness, it's a skill that you have to work on. When you need it the most, you don't have it. I think it's, it's, it's absolutely, when you talk about magic, especially too, because people forget, they just look at Magic Johnson and maybe kids go, well, he's the greatest point guard of our to- all time. Don't know why, because you didn't really get to see it. And I understand that. But you, you're exactly right. He had an ugly looking set shot. And back then, yeah. like the three-point shot was not in vogue. He developed a three-point shot. It was not pretty, but he figured out a way to make it work. I mentioned yesterday on the show, Jason Kidd, he came in the league. They called him Ace and Kidd because he had no J. And yet he ended up, when he retired, he had the most three-pointers in the history of the NBA at the time of his retirement. Like, we're not even asking that bar uh, of Ben Simmons. Yeah. We're just asking something. Like, give us something. Well, let, me, let me ask you, if you would have been benched, in a playoff game for T.J. McConnell oh boy. to be the point, wouldn't that motivate you to then spend your entire offseason to say, this is never happening to me again? Oh, boy. It's, this is never happening to me again. I'm never getting taken off the court. Great players do that, and I think that's the issue. So as we talk about Durant, and I know we focused on Simmons, but if you're Sean Marks, you know, when you traded for Simmons, he was piece three. That's the perfect role. It's what we learned about Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins isn't a lead dog, but Andrew Wiggins as a three is really good. Uh-huh. You know, and so I'm sure that Sean Marks is thinking, I got this kid. He's a great defender. You know, he can penetrate. All he's got to do is dish the ball to these two scorers, and I'm good. But now all of a sudden, he can't play that role. That's not the role he can play. And so you got to start from scratch. I love the Wiggy comparison because, again, people were ready to throw him out with the bathwater and say, all right, well, he's a bust, right? Number one pick, didn't make it to Minnesota. And, and then all of a sudden Golden State says, no, 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 we'll, we'll take him and we'll make him right. into a defender, a low post player. I mean, think of that. Like Andrew Wiggins completely changed what everybody thought the perception of Andrew Wiggins would be. I don't know if Ben Simmons has got that mental makeup to do it. And I and I know he doesn't. Right. You mentioned. I mean, Wiggins at least worked on his game. Yes. You know, it, it it was important for Wiggins to be a better player. You know, this kid doesn't. You know, he'd rather quit something. And and look, it's partly the Sixers' fault too, because you know the first year, oh, you don't have to play. You know, we're tanking. Yeah. Right. Like, seriously, like, like it, you know, and then he, they allowed him to have his brother be a shooting coach. 
Like, they enabled him. And when you enable guys that don't want to compete, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to be less competitive. Well, I still cannot believe that real life happened where uh, two years ago when the Sixers lose and Doc Rivers criticizes Ben Simmons. And then Ben Simmons says, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. And then, look, and and I I get, like, mental health is a real thing. We all understand that. But, like, toxic work environment because your coach criticized you? I mean, like, what is that? Like, that is just such a disconnect from from being employed and having your employer say, you got to be better. And then you say, you know what? That that really triggers me, and I don't think it's healthy for me to play there. What? But it was the first time. You see, one of the things I I really – now, I'm not a Doc fan. I think Doc does a horrible job developing players, and he doesn't prepare his team for the the playoffs. Doc's more interested in having that all-time regular season win record, Mm -hmm. you know, and getting into the Hall of Fame as a coach. You know, I'm ninth on the list of so many wins, so he'll play play bad players during November through March, never develop anybody. But one thing I thought Doc would give Philly, and it proved to be correct, he was bigger than both the stars. Yes. He had a PR machine that was as capable as both the stars. So it, they couldn't fight back at him because he was went. He won a title. He's been around great play. They couldn't fight back. And what happened was once Doc bailed on him, you know, the kid decided to quit. I, I, I am not. I, I say the great Doc Rivers, and uh, people that know me know that I say that. And, Jess, I, I love Doc as a point guard back in the day with the ATL. I do not think he's been a, a great coach in the NBA, but Michael, he was great in hustle. Did you see hustle with Adam Sandler? He was really no, good. I haven't seen that he, yet. Cause that's what he's good at. He's good at looking good and a big, you know, like with the lights on him and the cameras on him. Doc shines, baby. He looked great playing himself as, as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers in the fictitious movie hustle that I watched last night. It was, it was absolutely fantastic movie, by the way. Okay, we got a lot more to get to on this holiday, Michael. When we come back, I do want to pick your brain about the Pac-12 or are they the Pac-10 as they stand today and where they go from here, we'll discuss when you come back. Celebrating the 4th of July with Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with the state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Beeson on this Independence Day. Going to have Thomas Gable join us here in just a little bit from the Borgata. Going to have Will Hill later on this hour from New York City and Josh Applebaum from Boston. It's a very Americana-type show that we have for you today, Michael, on this 4th of July. But we, we talked a little bit about it last week, and the, the apple cart has been officially upset in college football. It's been trending this way for a long time. We understand it. This, the idea of the Super Conference and the rich getting richer. Well, it looks like the Big Ten just got a whole lot richer because 2024, for those living under a rock the last couple of days, we know that UCLA and USC will be heading to the center of the country now to play in the Big Ten and leaving the Pac-12. And now the question is, what does the Pac-12 do from here, Michael? Because I guess there's a couple of ways that you could look at it if you are leading those conferences, the, the other conferences, if you will, and you're not considered – you are a power conference, but you're not a power of the elites, right? And I don't think the Pac-12, anybody looks at them that way. What do you do now? How do you recoup what you've just lost? Well, I think you've got to replace the basketball power. I mean, you've got Arizona sitting in the conference, a great basketball power. USC's been good in basketball. We know Oregon, Washington have got good basketball. So you've got to, sit, you've got to go to Gonzaga and say, hey, welcome. Come on in here. You know, this will only make you better. 
So you get Gonzaga like the ACC gets Notre Dame in basketball. To mm. me, that's a great selling point. Now, then you've got to be able to hold on to Oregon and Washington, Arizona State in football. You've got to. And then you've got to be able to go out and get some teams. I think you've got to go get BYU, put them in the conference. They got a, a, It's a huge draw. Yeah. You know, maybe consider San Diego State. You want to try to have some kind of presence in, in California. San Diego State has always been there. You know, there was a time where UNLV football was, should have been able to get into the Pac-12. You know, because hmm. of the city, because of the appeal, it's never really developed that way. And so it's never. But, you know, I, I think and, and right now I don't know if they could certainly qualify, but I think you got to look at some of these teams, especially, you know, where you can enhance your marketplace. There's nothing on. The, I mean, Fresno State's Boise State, you know, those two teams, they would enhance the Pac-12, Boise State particularly. Yeah. I, I so I think you've got to you got to look at that. I think the number one move, if I'm the commissioner of the Pac-12, is I got to go get Gonzaga in here for basketball, because now I've got a legitimate basketball conference, and I'll add. And then I got to hold on to Washington and Oregon, and I got to find some teams that that I feel like can really make this Pac-12 much better. It's a fascinating way to look at it when the number one thought process is Gonzaga which basically then signals that the Pac-12 is kind of like my dream conference in the 80s growing up, Big East basketball, that you look at the Pac-12 as a basketball first conference and you would not necessarily look at them as a football first conference. Not that you did anyway, because UCLA still has that basketball tradition. It's still a basketball school, right? Like the ACC, it, it still feels like when you think of the ACC, I think basketball before I certainly think football. Right. So like because Duke, Carolina and the traditional powerhouses that they have is that business model. Can can you do it that way and still be an elite football conference, even though you're known now as a basketball first conference? Well, I I think what you're trying to do is get all the pieces together first and foremost. Right. You're trying to salvage a bad situation and turn it into a good one. Right. Right. I think that's the number one thing you've got to be able to do. You've got to say, okay, we're going to take a bad one. We lost these two schools. Right. I mean, the Pac-12, when you look at them on and I just to me, I just visited Ken Palm. I haven't been there since March. I've missed Ken. I have. It's always tough not to be without Ken. We'll be back with him in November. But, you know, but they were the sixth best conference. They were the sixth best conference, according to the Ken Palm. Wow. Right. So, you know, they're in basketball I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's pretty, you know, the ACC, the Big East, the Big 10, the Southeast and the Big 12 were better than them. So, I think you got to add and and the Mountain West Conference has teams you could put in there too. See, your Mountain West you've got you've got Boise State, you've got San Diego State. Those two teams could easily slide into the Pac-12 and especially in basketball too. Right. So now, you know, you've got a good conference in basketball. You've added two good basketball teams as well. So if I'm the commissioner, I, I think you've got, you got to look at that. And maybe there's a team in the big – see, the problem is nobody wants to come in that's in the Big 12 because they're going to take a, they're going to take a pay cut. Yeah. The reason Ohio State – the reason that USC and UCLA left is because they're going to make a lot more money. Why would you give up your position in the Big 12 to go take less money in the Pac-12 because they've got such bad ratings? It doesn't, I mean, it's such a bad TV deal. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's the TV money. It's the big money. It's almost like if you go back in time a little bit, and let's just say theoretically we were in the early 90s, and UNLV and, you know, Tark is doing his thing there, and, uh, you know, he's, he's got the towel and the whole bit, and, and the running Rebels are running wild in college basketball, and you made that overture to UNLV at that time to come to the Pac-12 or then the Pac-10, Pac-8, you would say, well, that would make sense. 
even though they feel down as a program, UNLV, could they, if you looked at Vegas as a market share and said, boy, look what's happening in Las Vegas with all the pro teams coming here and the potential to get the NBA, maybe even MLB somewhere down the road, would that make sense? Even if the program isn't maybe on a Pac-12 level right now, that you could raise them up if you brought UNLV in? Yeah, I mean, it certainly could. I mean, if I'm UNLV, I'm trying to get in there with Pac-12 because it enhanced our income, got a great stadium, got a great city. It's a great, tremendous venue. But do you really bring much to the Pac-12? I think the Pac-12 needs teams that are going to bring stuff to that. Boise State would bring something to them. Mm. You know, Boise State's a popular, you know, they yeah. they draw. They have a great fan. I know it's up in the, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, but they do draw. They got to get, that, that's the problem with San Diego State, UNLV. These teams don't bring anything. They actually take, they don't give. They don't bring gate receipts. Yeah. You know, and they don't bring market appeal. They don't bring brand. And if you're the Pac 12, Gonzaga, that's why immediately I went to Gonzaga. They bring a brand. So you get you get that in there. You know, to me, Gonzaga has to sit there. Mark Fuse gotta say, how do I get my team better more tournament ready than I can? And I think the Pac 12 would do that for them. And, uh, but, again, if you're Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, and Washington, are you thinking about going to the Pac-12? I mean, you've got to keep – you know, it's, it's a little bit like free agency. The more you try to recruit other teams to come in, you better keep the ones you have help, happy. It's a great point because, again, you're going to lose SD and you're going to lose UCLA. I love the Gonzaga side. And certainly for the basketball – you know, you make the you can make the equation that okay, you lose UCLA, but then you add Gonzaga, you've actually increased potentially. And I know SD's pretty darn good as well, so you do lose kind of the, the double whammy there. But Gonzaga feels like the power broker out of those three. If you told me which school I could have in my conference, I'd probably take Gonzaga over USC and UCLA. But you do lose out in football to your point. Maybe Boise State could help uh, bridge that gap a little bit. I look at the, the numbers for this year, Michael, and ironically, USC is the favorite now with Lincoln Riley coming out there. And I thought you made a great point that Lincoln left the Big 12 to come to the easier Pac-12 and get that pathway potentially to the college football playoff. Does that already, the, the stand in the hourglass is starting to go now. On Lincoln Riley, do you yeah. think it puts more pressure on SC this year, say a $2 favorite to win the Pac-12 and potentially try to figure out their way to get into the college football playoff this year more than down the road? I think if I'm if I'm Lincoln, I'm trying to build this program sustainable to always compete against Ohio State, even if I wasn't in the Big Ten, because that's what you're going to have to do. Mm. And he knows that. And so, you know, to him, he's got to get a great quarterback. He's got to increase the talent level. Look, the sleeping giant in the Pac-12 is Utah. I mean, Utah gave gave Ohio State everything they wanted last year. Everything. I mean, you know, they ran out of gas late in the game, but they gave them everything they wanted. And they were Utah is really a good team. They never dazzle you, David, with their ability to recruit or their rankings in recruiting like Texas A&M's done or something like that. But they've always been able to be tough-minded, physical, and they find ways to win games. So, you know, I would never underestimate Utah. I think Utah's college team this season is going to be very good. I look at UCLA and I go, if you're Chip Kelly, okay, and I know what they're going to say publicly, Michael. They're going to say, hey, you know what, whatever conference we're in, we're just going to play the best. It doesn't really matter. We're going to a great football school, blah, 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 right? But, like, that's why I appreciated Jim Beheim so much back in the day when Syracuse left uh, the Big East basketball conference to join the ACC, and Beheim just came out and said, I don't like it. I wish we were still in the Big East. We're not. We know the football rules today, and that's why we're here. Privately, is Chip Kelly looking, man, this is not good for me that we're going to go to the Big Ten. I'm already kind of, quote-unquote, exposed in the Pac-12, and now my schedule is going to get that much tougher when UCLA has got to go play the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world. <laughs> 
Yeah, no doubt. You know, I, it, it is. You're going. It's you know. You're to me. We're just going to have a bunch of power conferences. I think what we're waiting here in the month of July is what does the Pac-12 do, and then what's the Pac-12 Pac-12 do, and what's the Big 12 do? Now the Pac-12 is meeting tomorrow. I mean, they're they're in a sense of a, a, a meeting. They've got to get it done. Wow. I think the it's a key moment for the Big 12 too. It's just fascinating. I, I thought live golf was the big shock in the sports world in the summer. And now, you know, that college money. football is- <laughs> Again with the money. Again with the money. It's, it's always the money. <laughs> uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some money. What happened at the Borgata over the weekend with Thomas Gable. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here in Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Summer special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of the month. Sign up today. You're going to get VEASAN's daily best bet emails, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, which is now completed last night, and NASCAR. If you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st, so sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line here on a 4th of July holiday. Michael, very quickly, before we bring in Thomas Gable from the Borgata, did you watch any of the USFL championship last night? Because i got to be honest, I watched some of the second half. I was actually entertained. Can you believe that? Were you really? I really was. Nice. I mean, for a half. I, that's, that's pretty much all I watched all year long. But I thought they were really smart. The slowest sports day of arguably the calendar year at night, right? All the baseball games are put to bed pretty much except for the one Sunday night game. And nothing else really to oppose it. I thought it was a smart job by the execs to get eyeballs on it. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was. I have not done that yet. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of for me, I got to get past that uh, – ability to kind of change my mindset that, you know, there is some time to start watching football. So hopefully, look, I'm, I'm all for the leagues and I want the leagues to grow because it means more jobs for everybody, players and, and, and staff included. Absolutely. And plus you have a life. So I think that's why you didn't see it. Any of it. Uh, let's bring in Thomas Gable right now. He's the director of the race and sports book at the Borgata. Thomas, uh, let me start right there with the USFL. Did you guys take a lot of action on the championship game last night? Uh, it was okay. I'll say that. I mean, it was uh, as you said. It was it was kind of a standalone event last night. Besides the Phillies Cardinals uh, game, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, if somebody was looking for action on something, um, that's what the, that's what was there to bet on. So uh, it, you know, it did all right. You know, I would compare it to probably um, what we did in WNBA handle yesterday. Okay, which was again, you know, it's you know, fair amount, but. Uh, Nothing great. And let's start there, uh, Thomas, for the weekend. We talked a little bit about it yesterday with the UFC. Obviously, that was the big, uh, I think, the most bet-upon event that you had this weekend. You've got Wimbledon going on overseas right now. Of course, Major League Baseball uh, going on. But was it the UFC over the weekend that was the top dog when it came to handle? Uh, Yes, it was. And uh, it's always nice when you have an event like that uh, that can drive uh, that type of handle and and this time of year. I mean, right now, let you face it, it's basically MLB. Uh, then you have 
golf every week and obviously Wimbledon as you mentioned and you know you throw in some hot dog eating contests <laughs> here and there and uh, that's what you have this time of year so I know I know we wanted to get into the Jets uh, mm-hmm. I think Jets season preview this uh, this morning but uh, yeah I mean that's uh, that's what it is right now so uh, it always helps when you have a big UFC event though you know uh, d- Thomas, before we get into the Jets, I mean, is this the time that the books kind of rework their numbers and prepare themselves for the season, or or you guys have already done that? Have you already have your power rankings in place for the upcoming NFL season? Yeah, those uh, those have been done. Um, I mean, you always uh, you, you've had the week one lines up. Uh, some places have already posted uh, most of the weeks. Uh, you can find uh, spreads on most of the weeks right now. So. Power rankings are done. I mean, you're you're kind of just now reacting to news um, and waiting for uh, training camp and preseason to start. Um, so it's it's kind of just a time to sit back and monitor um, monitor news, really, at this point. Yeah, it really is the calm before the storm, gentlemen. Uh, you guys know this time of year very well, both from a gambling perspective and football perspective. Let's talk about those JTS Jets, Jets, Jets a little bit, Thomas, here, because I know they're quite the liability right now at the Borgata. Uh, you've got uh, basically 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and I see the third most tickets written on them, second biggest liability. But really, to win the division at 18 to 1, that feels like that's the biggest liability right now. People are really taking this Jets team to heart and thinking that Zach Wilson in year number two is really going to turn the corner here. Yeah, and let me just throw a little disclaimer out there about this. You know, I don't take what we have here and liability necessarily is that there's that much optimism on the Jets throughout <laughs> the country because, you know, we always, you know, this is always one of the, um, uh, the places they get down on the Jets and people love to bet them, um, before the season starts and take a shot in the future. So our liability on the Jets certainly is not going to match others' liability across the country. But um, as you said, the Jets, you know, they have three first-round rookies who will come in with some expectations. You know, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson. Then you have Zach Wilson going into his second year, expected to show some growth and take some steps forward. And then they signed uh, offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson, to a big three-year, $40 million contract. So there are definitely expectations for improvement for this team. I mean, if you look at the past five seasons, 22-59 and 59 overall, tied for the worst in the NFL with the Giants uh, through those five seasons, haven't reached the playoffs for 11 straight seasons. And, you know, when you're looking at the futures here, you know, they're in basically the same division as – the prohibitive favorite to, to mm-hmm. win the AFC, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Um, they play a very tough division. You have Miami and the Patriots as well in there. So I think when you're looking, as Michael likes to say, don't don't throw your money onto a St. Jude uh, bet here. <laughs> and, um, you know, with betting them to win the division or the conference or even the Super Bowl, um, you know, I think – what you are seeing is some optimism there around the season win total, which is set at five and a half, and the over uh, five and a half. That's actually our second most popular season win bet here, uh, only of course behind the Philadelphia Eagles season win uh, mm-hmm. over. So, I, there. I mean, there's definitely optimism uh, around that portion of it, and I think if these guys can gel, maybe another way to look at it with this Jets team. They should be able to stay competitive in some games. 
and maybe you look at them individually week to week. They're going to be uh, getting points every single week during the regular season. So pick and choose your spots there during the week and, and take the points with them because there are going to be games where they're going to be competitive. No doubt. I, I think the hardest thing for us as handicappers is to understand the, the how quickly teams can go from bad to good to great. You know, and the and this betting on the Jets to win the division at 18 to 1 seems a little bit ahead of itself, considering Buffalo's improved, considering New England's still a good team, even though Buffalo's, you know, never punted in the last two games against them. And then Miami with the additions that they've made, even if you don't like uh, the quarterback Tua at Miami, like I don't, I mean, they still have a lot of good pieces around it. So for me, I, I think it's hard to imagine the Jets winning it? Do I imagine the Jets could improve from five wins to seven wins? I mean, they were at four wins last year. You know, I, I do. But am I willing to bet on that? Probably not. You know, probably not. I mean, you could make the case, look, they beat Tennessee last year. They beat Cincinnati, two mm-hmm. really good playoff teams. Well, I mean, we know Tennessee in week, what was it, week four of the season was, was a shell of their team. Right. And we also know Cincinnati was a shell of their team in week eight. Yeah. Well, I think the Jets had White at quarterback in that game, though, too, if you go back to that one. That is, yeah. that is I correct. Mean, and, and look, look, in the game against, I mean, look, it, it's just when you break it down, I, I just don't know how how much they – I mean, they were they were in the bottom third, close to 32nd in almost every statistical category you can look at, Pat, Thomas, last yeah. season. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'll, you could sum it up by saying this. A lot would have to go wrong – with those other teams in the division, and a lot would have to go right with the Jets for them to have any chance to win the division. Um, that's why I think if you do have any optimism around this team, look at their season win total and also look for opportunities to bet them during the regular season when they're going to be getting points. You got about 90 seconds to go with Thomas Gable, the director of Race and Sportsbook at the Borgata. And, and yeah, gentlemen, like I remember, obviously, when the Cowboys and the Herschel Walker trade, they made all those picks count to be able to flip that team around very quickly into a title contender here. I don't know that the Jets, you mentioned it, Thomas, with those uh, three first-rounders, how they're going to play out this year. But you mentioned that at five and a half, it is juiced at minus $1.55. People are not scared of that juice. They think this is a six-win football team at the, at the least. Well, at least here they do. I, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, it's it's, uh, it, it, it's tough in this market. I mean, you're always going to get that uh, that that Jets money coming in. So um, it, it's inter- normally we just uh, say thank you and, and collect the cash from. Them. And in the final minute, very quickly, you mentioned Philadelphia is the other big one. And Michael and I have talked a lot about the Eagles so far here. Uh, what are you seeing though? What are the popular plays? Is it to win the East and or to win the NFC? Because that feels like a pretty big leap of faith to go all the way from potentially winning the East as the second favorite to winning the NFC. Yeah, well, we're seeing both. But, again, you know, we, we see that a, a lot here uh, just because of our proximity to Philadelphia. So that's not surprising at all. Uh, but, I, you know, last week I talked about we had to move the Cowboys' number to win the division just because of all the Eagles' money that was coming in on them for the division. All right, fly, Eagles, fly. As Michael says, they already got those championship banners out in front of the houses there. Already up. <laughs> hey, Thomas, happy Fourth of July weekend to you. Enjoy the holiday. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, All right, Gigi. happy Fourth, you guys. There he is, Thomas Gable uh, at the Borgata. When we come back, Michael, let's stay in your neck of the woods. Let's go to New York City with Will Hill, the king of New York, next on Visa and the Sports Betting Network.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. We continue with betting, uh, excuse me, with the Lombardi line here on VEASAN. BetMGM, of course, is the king of sportsbooks, and they unleash the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you're going to earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits, like free bets and risk-free tokens, pointing a trip to Vegas. will convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, 
and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we continue the Lombardi line here on this 4th of July, I'm Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. And, Michael, it was great talking to Thomas Gable there at the Borgata about the Eagles and the Jets' money coming in because it's always fascinating me regionally how people bet with their hearts, and I understand that. Yeah, no doubt. But as we bring in Will Hill, the king of New York there in New York City, does a great job uh, on the city cast in New York. Will, I wonder, is the same enthusiasm level up with the Jets and the Giants in New York? Are people actually starting to believe, like Thomas said, with all the, the bets coming in on the Jets – do you feel like they're at the Meadowlands? They're, they're having the same amount of hope with the G-Men? Boy, I, I don't know if Jets and enthusiasm have ever been used in the same <laughs> sentence. When you, talk, when you talk about their fans, I mean, they are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's a little bit like the Mets, but people are high on the draft. And I think, you know, those five and a halfs that we saw right around the draft time, the narrative was that they had this great draft. So I think that bumped it up to six. And uh, I'm a little more skeptical. I know the draft is you know pretty good. We never really know how these things are going to work out. Uh, I think, you know, the fruits of this draft, you know, will be paid off maybe two years from now, three years from now. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to see this team with how bad they were in every phase last year. I mean, Robert Salah is supposed to be this defensive guru. They're dead last in pretty much every category defensively. Zach Wilson did not look the part. I know they're saying all the right things he's put on weight. He's working with these guys all over the country uh, in terms of, you know, meeting up with the, with the jets offensive personnel to me, uh, the AFC, they've got the nine road games. Uh, all the AFC teams do. That's a tough schedule. That's a tough conference. Uh, to me, it would still be under a pass for the Jets. The Giants, I think it's a similar thing where they're excited about the draft. They're excited to just open up the windows and clear out the air. Bring in Dayball, bring in Shane. Mm. I, I don't know if people have high expectations for this year. I think this is just kind of uh, recharge the batteries type of year. Just get the bad vibes out of that building. Kind of build from scratch. I think maybe next year they could take a step forward. But uh, I still think both of these teams are really bereft of talent. You know, when you look at this schedule and you see them open up with the North, I mean, that, that's not an easy that's not an easy way to start your season. You know, you go Ravens, Browns, you know, now the Browns might not have a quarterback. They may, you know, we don't know who will be the quarterback. And then you come in with the Bengals. I mean, that's not an easy way to go. And then you got the Steelers. You play the AFC. You're going to figure out who the best team is in the AFC West by week five of the season if you're, the Jet, if you're a Jet fan. So, you know, I mean, that start of the schedule, I mean, it, it, a, they're not going to be favored in any game. <laughs> and tell me where they get a win. Tell me where they get a win, Will. Yeah, it's tough. And they could be really improved and still go, you know, 6 and 11, 5 and 12. That 17th game is going to still take a while for me to get used to. But I totally agree. I think they can be much improved and still win, you know, four or five games. It's just, like you said, there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of soft spots on that schedule. And uh, it, it's really tough when you're the worst team in a division, you have the hardest schedule because you don't get to play yourself. Like the dolphins can look at the jets right. and say, Hey, that's a nice soft spot. Right. The Patriots look at the jets. That's a nice soft spot. If you're the jets, you don't get to play the jets. So you only get to play the, the good teams, you know, the Patriots, the bills, uh, dolphins are, are a fringe playoff contender. So yeah, I agree. It's a brutal schedule here for the jets. And that's why I juiced it for five and a half wins to minus the dollar 55. No, thank you. I am not interested in laying that type of number to get to six wins. And as you mentioned, well, it might come down to week 17, in Miami, if you know, state looking at you know five, five and eleven at that point, can they win that last game to hit that over for you? I'm not taking that risk, that's for sure. Yesterday, uh, you nailed the Metropolitan's cookie. Carrasco came up big, and the Mets got a, a much-needed win. You like them again today uh, against the Red Legs of Cincinnati? 
I did. I played the Mets here. Walker's actually been pretty good. He stabilized the rotation with all these injuries, and uh, it was a good sign for the Mets. Degrom, I don't know if you saw this, Dave. Yes. Rehab start last night. First pitch over 100 miles an hour. Struck out five guys in two innings. So reinforcements are on the way. Scherzer's pitching tomorrow. Degrom hopefully in a couple weeks. Uh, Walker's been stable here, and Green's going to be a good pitcher, but he's got a little nucleolution where he just doesn't know how to pitch yet. <laughs> He throws the ball over 100 miles an hour, but he's wild. He doesn't have command. He doesn't have that repertoire you need uh, to be a good starter. If, if you're looking at a prop, his strikeout prop is five and a half. He might be good for the over. He just might give up five or six runs in the process. So I did lay the uh, the dollar sixty here with the Mets. Nuke Larouche makes uh, the and, show, and Michael. You were, and you were doing some minor league scouting there. I understand. Yes. Will tell me what you were up to. Yeah, I saw the uh, the future star of the Mets, the second best prospect in baseball, Francisco Alvarez. The Mets catcher he actually just got called up to AAA a day or two ago. He hit a ball. I, I still th I think it's still going. I mean, it cleared both <laughs> fences. It went onto the street. Uh, he is going to be a big time player. And I went and watched uh, Scherzer rehab. He was hit in '97. He he got hit a little bit, but I think he was just kind of working on his pitches. So, yeah, we're working around the clock. I watched 18 innings of Mets Yankees in the afternoon that day and went up to. Uh, to Hartford to watch Mad Max pitch against the Hartford Yard Goats, a, a great minor league name and a, a beautiful ballpark there in Hartford. And this is how you earn the moniker King of New York because you put in the work, Will Hill. Uh, let's uh, go to, to the NBA here on this 4th of July. And I wonder if Michael is going to concur with your pick here that you're going to back the Sixers in the futures market. He does it all the time. He, he does it all the time. <laughs> What's this about, he, uh, he was on the bandwagon last year. It was, you know, same thing. <laughs> I'm doing it again. I can't, I can't, you know, sometimes I wake up and I just stare into the distance for like an hour trying to figure out how they <laughs> lost that series two years ago to the Hawks. And then of course they flame out this year against Miami, but I think they've had a home run off season here. PJ Tucker, I think brings them some toughness, which they desperately need. You bring in Melton, you bring in house. It's all guys they need. It's all guys that can defend rebound, shoot, play both ways. The problem with the Sixers, they got a bunch of guys who are all right. They're good on offense, but you can't really play them defensively or a guy like Thibel who, all right, he's good defensively, but you're playing four on five on offense. These are all two-way players. Uh, I think it's a great offseason. Maybe Harden now, he, he's rested. The reports are he's taking his conditioning very seriously. His hamstring's in better shape. If you can just get Harden to like 80% of what he used to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a top three or top five player. Uh, keep Embiid healthy, which, look, he's had some fluke injuries. He's had a lot of injuries. Uh, and, and, again, I can't believe I'm going down this road. But to me, the Sixers wow. have had a home run monster offseason season. I'm sure I'll regret it, but 12 to one uh, to me, they're a top two or three team in the East. How, how do you explain that Brooklyn's still 12 to one too to win the East? I mean, how is that even possible? Just because it's going to be hard to work out a Durant trade where he makes everybody happy. And look, the books, they're not risking anything by keeping that number low. So uh, they don't want to put them at 50 to one. And then, you know what? We can't work out a trade for Durant and the Nets are 50 to one and they get burned with a bad number. So uh, you're seeing yeah. a lot of different prices on the Nets. I think the fact that a, a Durant trade is, possible maybe it's likely but i don't know that we know 100 percent they're going to work out a trade for him and that would be amazing if he has to stay there in brooklyn that would be a good number then at that point if at least durant is motivated and still wants to play and we'll find out what happens with Kyrie. let's get back to the nfl because i was very intrigued by your roy that you have this year for defensive rookie of the year and you're going to go to the kid out of purdue here in george carl loftus uh, tell me why you like him at 20 to 1 I just think it's a good situation for him. Uh, we've seen the last three defensive rookie of the years lead all rookies in sacks. And I think he's in a good spot to get a bunch of them. He's got Frank Clark. He's got Chris Jones, and he's going to be on a team that scores a bunch of points. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a lot of leads. They're not going to be able to you know, hone in, focus on Karloff as he can just pin his ears back, rush the passer. 
again, you're going to have a lot of two score, three score leads, passing only situations. Uh, can he get nine or 10 sacks, a couple, you know, forced fumbles and, and win this award? I think 20 to one on Carl office is a good price. Uh, I like this bet. I mean, you can't logically. I, I I can't disagree with you. I mean, you got good players. Chris Jones who commands a double team. Frank mm -hmm. Clark commands a double team. This kid's going to get single block the whole game. He's going to be able to run up the field because Jones' presence inside. And you know what helps more than anything is when you get the lead and when you can play from in front and you're a pass rusher. You don't worry about the run. And so, you know, that's kind of the the perfect dynamic for a guy to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, no question. And gentlemen, let's stay right there. And this is something, Michael, you and I have talked about here in the last 90 seconds with Will Hill, and that's expectations for coach of the year, right? Because I think that's why Vrabel won it last year, because I don't know about the expectation level for Tennessee. And Will, you're going to go a rookie here at 20 to 1 as well. Kevin O'Connell, is it that you think the bar might be lower, and if he just goes over the bar, he's got a good shot to be in the running? Well, there's a formula here. The last five years, we've seen three guys, younger coaches, rookie coaches, analytically driven guys, come in, lead their team to the playoffs, and win it. Matt Nagy, believe it or not, in 2018. McVay in 2017. Stefanski in 2020. The media likes this. The media likes these younger guys. They're analytically driven. They're offensive-minded. And I think you look at the Vikings. They get nine home games, seven road games, and one neutral because one of their away games is in London against the Saints. Mm. I think the Vikings have a lot of talent. Uh, again, this is a team that's burned me plenty of times before, but could they win 10 or 11 games, get back into the playoffs for the first time since 2019, and O'Connell wins the award? Uh, 20 to 1. I think this is a, uh, a pretty good number here for O'Connell. How about that? The old yeah, and they're, they're going to be better offensively. There's no doubt. They got Dalvin Cook and they got Kirk Cousins. I mean, they've got quarterback. Mm -hmm. Their line's better. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to how good they are on defense, but I get it. I really do. The old curmudgeons in the media going to go with the rookie, Kevin O'Connell. I kind of like that. Uh, hey, Will, have a great 4th of July, my friend. Always great catching up with you here on the Lombardi Line. Thanks, All right. Thanks Will. for having me, guys. Thank See you, ya. Will. All right. Coming on back, we're talking more football with Michael Lombardi on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... 
I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.